Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the show where a real statistics professor and his friends give you sports betting tips. I am your host, Professor Sides. It's my actual job title and last name, which is part of the reason why the mathematical model I have built to predict various sports outcomes is affectionately known as Sideline. There's more about the model during the course of this episode, set to to cover select college basketball games scheduled to be played on Friday, January 13th, 2023. In case you're here, check out the webpage on the banner. It's www.pixwiththeprofessor.com slash new for some explanations, goals, full recommendations on wager scaling, where to find additional picks, and community rules. As always, remember, there are no locks in gambling, so Sideline parses its picks into two categories, plays and leans. I only make official picks from one sportsbook, so model leans are where shopping around for better numbers and prices can help this episode will only cover what are determined to be the best games of the day so the results of the totality of all picks model plays what we talk about here and all of the plays of the day found on patreon and tiktok we found both on betstape and the google sheet all the links you need are in the show description that google sheet also contains a full set of projections and picks on every single game and for early access to those picks and projections see patreon that links in the crawler below as well as the show description it's also where you can access that discord chat it's the best place to get questions answered about these or other games other sports along with lots of other fun but as always take what you like and leave the rest lastly please understand the good of advance will occur so as much as we'd like to say will be profitable each and every day and is an impossible reality for any gambler jake welcome back from your travels around like all sorts of places around the country, seeing family on the holidays and then overseas to Ireland, you had a little getaway there and you come back and lo and behold, what awaits you is jury duty. And I, I, I kept meaning to tell the people, I think I put it in the comments, but I feel like that's not a very good Christmas present from uncle yeah. Sam to get jury duty. When you come back from it, from a trip like that, it was tough. Like, cause I got back and the next day I have to report to it and you can't like look at and deferring or anything. Cause you know, it's, government doesn't work late at yeah. night on sundays so yeah, yeah. i was like well this is fun get stuck yeah, in hell it, it's just been great loved it because i feel yeah if had you got it earlier could you have called them and like hey i'm coming back from ireland like can i wait a week yeah yeah but yeah, there's like defer stuff and it's yeah uh, but with the timing it happened you didn't even have that opportunity because <laughs> it was mm-hmm. on a weekend oh man mm-hmm. yeah I, I feel like uh you know it was we were expected to have you back and then it happened and uh uh it, it, we're at January 12th right now, but maybe we're finally able to get into yeah. a new year routine right after all the chaos that started the year, right? Yeah, I don't plan on any other trips or anything that'll throw us off. So, all right, we'll it, finish out the year here. It is crazy to think about January 12th. Uh, you know, we'll be doing March Madness shows, I feel like March 12th. If not 12th, it's close to that. I mean, it's two months away. Uh, I, I feel like we, I swear this happened in baseball. I know Cousin Jared. I remember I, Cousin Jared, I talked about it in college football. It's like, oh. where did the time go where we're like, we're like eyeing the end of the season already? I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's crazy to think, well, like a year and a week. Uh, Ago, we were just starting this out. It was just nuts. I had thought, I had thought about that. That we our our first show that we did the weekly college football shows for last football season as well. But yeah, that our first college basketball show was uh, like January second, January third, uh, yeah. last year. Yeah, it was just about a year ago. Uh, we we've we've come a long way. We're we're off of Zoom. We, we did the first one. Yeah. Zoom. I think the first episode had like fifty views. Uh, yeah. Those are still out there on YouTube. If you want to scroll through all of it and find it, I, I'm sure it's terrible. The quality of that doing a Zoom call. We didn't know what we were doing. So we've come a long way. The, the quality at least is a lot better, right? The audio quality, the picture quality, everything, right? Yeah, it's, sure. it's come a long way in a year. 
It really has. This one's crazy. All right. Well, before we get to today's games, some reminders, please hit that like button if you're on YouTube. Also, if you aren't yet, please consider subscribing or following. It's free. And if you turn notifications on, you won't miss any of the college basketball, MLB, or college football content that this show provides, or NFL content. I did an NFL video. Ooh. So people were asking. So I've delivered. So make sure notifications on. You'll catch that when it drops. Uh, I've already mentioned the Patreon, but check it out yet. It Check it out if you haven't yet. Lots of great benefits we found over there above and beyond what we do here. $3 per month gets you full access to the plays day every morning. For another $2 a month, you get access to that Discord chat group. And for $5 more a month, you get ad-free shows delivered to you earlier than the general public and immediate access to every pick. Go to www.patreon.com slash picks with the professor for more details. But even if you're not there, we're still thrilled to have you here. Let's get to it all in courtesy of Online. Sign up link in the show description. Current as the time of this recording on Thursday afternoon. No Friday day games. We do have an early afternoon or an early evening, a late afternoon game, at least something that's a little better than nothing, a little better than nothing, better than the wait until, you know, sundown basically to watch games 4 PM central. And it should be a doozy Yale at yeah. Cornell, you know, two of the top teams in the Ivy talked about the Ivy last week. There's a handful of top teams that are going to be really interesting. They play each other. A couple teams that aren't as good, but this should be a good matchup here. I've got Yale as the better team, but on the road. So sideline says this should be Cornell minus 1.1. So on average, they went by about a point. They are a one and a half point favorite. So it's a pretty well-priced line. The model does lean Cornell. If I had the pick, that's the set I'd be on. But I mean, it's not overly likely they won by one as much as it is just Yale's a good team and I don't really know what to expect. So I, I again, I lean to the home team, but it's not my favorite play in this one. It should be a great contest. My favorite play though is the under 145.5. Sideline says 142.3. Model's been pretty spot on with both these teams as of late with regards to totals. Uh, Cornell has a pretty good offense, but Yale's defense uh, should be a deciding factor in this one. And you've got the fact that this being kind of a heavyweight matchup in the Ivy. You got a lot of ways that this game either slows down early or late with regards to just kind of feeling each other out when you get good looks, um, you know, good possessions and that sort of thing. Um, these types of contests tend to stay lower scoring unless it's two teams that really want to push the pace. Cornell does want to push the pace, but you have to assume Yale isn't going to get into that game with them. Yale's defense good enough to slow them down a little bit, maybe not slow them down completely, but at least enough to keep us more around 140 than 145 and a half. Uh, Jake, what's your take on this game? Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you said. I, I really like the under here. If I, I will lean Cornell, but I don't really want to make a play on the side. I mean, Cornell struggles a little bit defensively. So like in their, their opponents are having a 53.3 effective field goal percentage. So they really need that pace to get their offense going, but they do an incredible job in, turnovers they force a bunch and they hold on to the ball very well but i don't think that's really going to come into play too much with the, how yale plays defense yale's not trying to force turnovers they want you to eat clock and they want to take their sweet time on offense they're pretty efficient i mean yale is just a very very good defensive team they're allowing less than 60 points a game and they do just a tremendous job at making you take one bad shot and then ending your possession and i think that's what's going to happen with cornell a lot they're going to take a very <clears throat> guarded shot and it's they're going to miss most of them yell yell gets the rebound it's going to keep it very slow they're going to take their sweet time uh because i mean the clash of styles here is just kind of wild makes it a very interesting game because the lack of three-point shooting on yell's team and the way they guard the three-point arc i don't really see this game having a lot of points 
Yeah, Yale plays just a lower scoring style of basketball for the most part. There is the exception, of course. Last Friday, a week ago, they played Dartmouth in that home game in an 81 to 77 game that just got bonkers. And, and, you know, some of that's just like we always talk about, right? When there's 30 ish games in a season, you're going to have a handful of games where you just hit everything and a handful of games where you just don't hit anything. And that's kind of just what Yale ran into Dartmouth, where it just, they just got hot and it turned crazy. And Dartmouth won the game on the road, which is incredible. Um, but, you know, that you can, when you look through things, it's the clear exception. I mean, Yale allowed 44 points to Monmouth in at Monmouth. Uh, the Kentucky game, obviously, Kentucky's had some struggles, but I mean, that was a game that didn't even get to 130 points. Um, you know, when you look at Last week with Harvard, the Harvard game, under sixty, yeah, fifty-eight to fifty-four. I mean, so it, they want to play that lower, slower game. Um, like you talk about with a good defense and just kind of um, it, everything seems to be with the purpose. I guess is what I would say. It's and some teams play that way. Some teams play reckless and they and it's about volume and they just want to create havoc. You know, Marquette, right? That's kind of they're just trying to cause chaos and that can force your opponents into some things. And Yale goes the other direction. They just they want to do everything with purpose and that kind of creates a little bit slower of a game. So obviously Cornell. Again, a team with pace, team without as good of a defense and a good offense, but um, it takes two two to tango. And as long as Yale doesn't fall into that trap, 145 and a half seems like too many. So our play there is the under, which takes us to 530 Central, uh, 530 PM Central, Kent State at Ohio. Kent State is a three and a half point road favorite. Total is 142. Got two picks for this one. Got the under 142. The model says 138.1. We have underestimated Ohio's points per game they, they've gone a little bit higher than the model slot but underestimated uh but overestimated should be kit state so that kind of balances out i think the model's number is pretty good here i think we should be on the south side of 140 rather than the north side you got two teams that play about the same tempo so we kind of know what we're going to get with pace two decent offenses but the difference maker with regards to the total number of points is that the best unit on the court is going to be kent state's defense and that's the other reason why we're going to lay the three and a half with kent state when you when you see four of the four units, right, both offenses and both defenses, right? Unfortunately, with basketball, there's no special teams like football, <laughs> right? When you got the four units out there and you say one of them is just drastically better than everybody else, you kind of say that's going to be the difference maker. That's Kent State's defense. Should be enough to get them the road victory. They're not just a better team in this case, but they're by far the better team. It's not a model play. It's only a model lean. The model doesn't play Kent State until two, but – with model plays and leans, sideline is seven and zero with Kent State. So anytime it's even leaned Kent State, that's been a profitable play. So again, even though the model wants a little bit better of a number here to make an official pick, I still think laying three and a half or even four with Kent State is pretty reasonable. Model says four point one, so again four or less, I think is a good play. And again, going under as well. Jake got two picks, got a lot to talk about on this game. Yeah, I love both those plays. I mean, like they're. In my opinion, not a lot to talk about. It's not a very hard game to dissect. Uh, <laughs> you know, like Kent State is an incredible team. They're thirteen and three, and their three losses go like this: a two-point loss at Charleston, a five-point loss at Houston, and no, a seven-point really loss at Gonzaga. That's pretty good too. <laughs> Ohio is nowhere near any no. of those teams. Sorry, Ohio fans. They're just they're just not. The, I don't think um, you're breaking news to them. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this Kent State team defense is insane. They're very good. That Houston game, neither team got above fifty. It's 
they are just a very good. Their offense isn't far behind off, uh, Ohio's offense. They don't miss free throws. They rank top ten in forcing turnovers. I think Kansas State gets ahead early and then slowly just chokes the life at Ohio State and ends up winning this one pretty good. Yeah, and Ohio got the job done for us uh, earlier this week as one and a half point home favorites against Ball State. But a uh, Ball State, you know, not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination, but again, just not at the same caliber of this Kent State team. It's just a different, just a step up in class. Like you talk about, I hadn't realized, I knew Kent State was 13 and three. I hadn't quite put the pieces together that those were the three losses. And not just, it's not just that you have three, like, you know, you have the one school of thought, which is like you excuse the losses if they're against good teams. But it's not just that you're excusing losses against good teams. It's that those are all f- fairly close losses. And uh, the Gonzaga one, I know we backed get Kent State, and that one was an easy cover. You know Houston was an easy cover as well. With Charleston only losing by two, it's probably a pretty easy cover too. So it's one of those yeah. where – or at least it was a pick you know, whatever. Yeah, I, but can't, I can't covered. remember what the line was on that. But, I mean, there it was a, it was a very, very good game. It's one of those where they 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 won thirteen and the three that they've lost they've either they at least for two of them they've covered easily right so it's one of those where uh, again they can win and not cover and that's why the model wants too because I think the model is just really excited at a number like that knowing its chances are that good but uh, I still think laying it here with Kent State makes sense there's a lot of ways they can cover a short number like this being the much better team here um, and like talk about some of those low scoring games uh, their defense being the difference maker gets them to cover and goes under. 6 p.m. Central Nebraska at Purdue. Um, maybe not the most competitive game in the world. Uh, we are, I mean, I, that's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the Friday slate, you know, a little bit, a little bit weaker here with regards to the number of games. Uh, we think there's an interesting angle in this one. I'm not touching the side. Purdue favored by 15. The model says 15.4. Uh, and is basically the model just saying a coin toss. I think this is interesting because I always talk about the number the model needs gets bigger and bigger as the number gets bigger. The model wouldn't take Purdue until it gets down to 12. That's three whole points away from where it is now. It wouldn't take Nebraska until it gets up to 19. That's four whole points from where it is now. It's a seven-point window, and we are pretty close to the middle of it right now. So I, it's not that one side, one side will – I guess they could push, right? Other, other than the push, one side will win – there might be a good angle on it, but when you get to these big numbers, you just want to have a little bit more confidence in something because there's just so many weird things that can happen. We've seen it at the end of the games, teams jacking up threes, teams dunking the ball at the last second. You never really know. It's just not worth an investment, but the totals we're going to talk about here, we're going to go under 132. You've got two fairly slow paced teams here. Obviously Purdue's offense is incredible because Zach Eady being player of the year. I, I think we can probably stop the ballot collection now. I don't I don't think we really need to see any more data. I think he's the player of the year. Um, you know, guy's a beast, obviously. He's, he's you know, eight foot tall, it seems like, down there. I, I don't even know how tall he is exactly, but it feels that way. And, and you know, you, you double team him, you triple team him, and then that leaves guys wide open. You don't, and he just does that little turnaround. He, you know, it, it, his arms are so long, it's almost like he's laying up with a hook shot, right? Yeah. It's incredible offensively, but that aside – he's only going to score so much. Purdue's only going to score so much. There's just not going to be any tempo to this game. So like under 132, the model says 130. 
Um, the model has overestimated the number of points in both of these teams' games over the last month. So if that holds continues to hold true, um, if conference play slows these teams down a little bit more than the models anticipated, maybe that means 129, 128 points. Got a little bit of wiggle room here for this under. I think 132 is just way too high. In a game where we also might see a really sleepy second half, Purdue has zero incentive to try to run up the score. Zero incentive to try to have extra possessions. I mean, they are just going to grind this game down at the end, I would think. And given their offense was Edie, they don't really want to go fast anyway. Yeah. Uh, they like to grind out the possessions. So under 132 is the play here. Jake, what do you got? Like, not touching the side. I am had zero luck backing Purdue. I'm two and six this year with them. I, I don't I don't want them. And then, like when you start looking into it, they've had since the Phil Knight tournament where out there in Oregon, they played incredible. Since they've got back from that, they've got four wins on the schedule that have covered this number. And those four teams are Minnesota, Hofstra, New Orleans, and Florida A&M. You know, that just very good team. But <laughs> they, they just, Minnesota, probably the only team worse than Nebraska in, in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, and they proved that, I think, the last game. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, I mean, they're just they're struggling putting these decent teams away, um, winning by big numbers when they're favored by big numbers. Yep, yep. Uh, and it's not like Nebraska's some world-beating team. They took them to overtime. I know that was at home. Uh, they've got a good defense, but it's kind of fallen off a little bit here lately. But I don't think it's fallen off enough that Purdue's going to take huge advantage of it. They Both teams like to play slow. Um, Purdue really is struggling to find a third score they've got obviously got ed and then you got fletcher lawyer who's shooting shooting very well but after that man they're they if they really want to start putting numbers up on teams and scoring and putting teams away they uh they really got to get that third score going whether that's uh braden smith the point guard or newman or whoever else but they just kind of find somebody there uh it's just I'm starting. The only fear here is because, and the, one of the reasons I'm not taking Nebraska either is I'm starting to think the wind is coming out of the cells on Nebraska. And they were, and the more they had that stretch off. there where they had a couple yeah. games, they looked where, where it was like, hey, maybe everything's coming together for them. And, and then it seems like it's kind of fizzled since then. It hasn't yeah. quite, yeah, like get, you start, know, come together like we thought. Started with a three point loss to Nebraska, uh, to Purdue, and then a five point to Kansas State, where they're hanging right with these teams. They beat some bad teams, and then they just start getting drilled here lately. Beat Minnesota, but that's nothing special. So that's that's the only fear here. But I, I like the under because neither team's going to want to move the ball that fast, and neither team is world burning on offense. Yeah, and it, you know when you think about how this game might play out, if you're Nebraska, like. On the road, what's your game plan here? I mean, you you might try to speed it up and attack Purdue before Edie and you know can get back on defense because obviously he's going to um, you know be a a a force defensively. They're going to be trying to get into the paint, of, you know, obviously. But the a that's not what Nebraska does. I'm not sure they could do it if even if they wanted to and. You have to assume that Purdue here, knowing that they should have an easy win, that the only way they don't win is if they do something colossally stupid, would be play a little more cautious. Because if Purdue plays a cautious game, they still win this by 10, right? The only way something goes wrong is if they just, again, do something really crazy stupid, you know, or obviously Nebraska just, you know, doesn't miss, which yeah. it can obviously happen, right? But you don't expect that. And so if Nebraska starts trying to speed it up and I'm Purdue, I'm just saying, I'll just keep all my guys back. Like, don't try to go for offensive rebounds, just get back on defense. And and then that's going to 
cause Nebraska to then not be able to speed the game up. So I just don't see how Nebraska can speed it up. And again, Purdue, I just don't think he has any incentive to, nor nor real ability with how they play to speed it up. So just, I can't see a way this game gets going tempo wise. And obviously 132 isn't the biggest number, but that really has to like your, you have to really like your chances thinking that through that this game's more likely to stay in the one twenties than get into the one thirties. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I just don't see anybody really deciding to speed this game up at all. Yeah, yeah. Deciding to or having the ability to, right? Yeah. I mean, because you can have both, right? Um, which takes us to the last 6 p.m. game of the docket. Villanova at Butler. Uh, what could have been? <laughs> what could have been? Uh, you know, it's jarring to see. I mean, Butler at 10 and 8. Butler's had some up and down years. They've had some really great seasons and they've had some rougher seasons. So seeing Butler at 10 and eight is kind of like, okay, you just never know. Like it's a little bit of a down year for them. That that happens for programs of that caliber that are not perennial top 10 teams, but are occasionally up there and, and good. Right. Seeing eight and nine next to Villanova is just jarring. I feel like it's been, and I, someone, I could be wrong though, you know, don't correct me or whatever. It's not really that pivotal, but it feels like a decade since I've really seen Villanova struggle like this. Maybe they had one down here and there, but they've been really good for quite some time now. It seems so uh, eight and nine is just jarring. And, and I, look, I don't think either one of these teams is that good. I don't think I'm breaking any news there. I think Villanova is still getting a little bit too much respect when you hold on to your prior distribution, what you think about a team going into the season on average, that's a smart thing. On average, if you start discarding your prior beliefs, what we know about these players from previous seasons, if you start discarding that too soon, your model and your performance start to tank. And that's why a good model is always going to be reliant on good priors. I think we're still holding on a little bit too much to Villanova though. I think there are times where we have to kind of start discarding those. And it's, I think you, we should always err on the side of don't give up what we thought about a team coming into the season. But I, but there's the rare exceptions where that's not the case. I think Villanova, I think we just kind of got to give up <laughs> what we expected. Now, maybe that'll change later on in the season, but for now, well, with the way that the guys on the court today, I, I'm just, just a, it's just, it's not a, it's not a terrible team. It's just not a good team. It's just an okay team that's going to struggle a lot in the Big East just because the Big East is so dang good. They're going to beat, they're going to win some games at home. They're going to beat some of the weaker teams in the Big East, right? They shouldn't have any problem with Georgetown, you know, home or road. Nobody should, right? Yeah. Um, but, DePaul, but, or you were the DePaul, you know, Villanova just lost to them. A, a team they should be. Yeah. And that's the thing. They just, they're going to win some games, but they're going to lose some games. And again, that's kind of crazy to say, but you know, I don't think much of Butler either, but I mean, at a pick them, give me the home team here because if Villanova is better than Butler, it's by the thinnest of margins. Sideline says Butler minus 1.8. So on average, they win this. Uh, the model thinks 54% of the time. If they win 54% of the time and it's a pick them, give me Butler in this one. Uh, otherwise, uh, a game that's going to struggle to find a television set in my life because I'm just, it's just sad given what <laughs> these teams have been in, in the past. Uh, Jake, what do you have? Yeah, look, I'm not personally making a play on this. If I were, I would be taking Butler at home because they're at home. I don't think there's much difference between these two. Butler is hmm, uh, very jump shot dependent and that doesn't go well when you're not hitting and it's their defense is good, but not good enough. They're also thin. Um, Ali Ali hasn't been the shooter they thought he was going to be coming in. Uh, so I think 
that model, like it's and both these teams are a first year, not first year head coach, but like their first year with the new coach. Um, so they don't, I don't think either one of them knows exactly who they are as a team yet. And the coach hasn't totally figured it out with these two teams because Villanova is running exactly the same kind of style of ball that uh, Jay Wright had them doing. And it, they're just not as good. Their offense isn't as as efficient as it used to be, and their defense has fallen off a cliff. And that just doesn't work well, especially in a, a loaded Big East like you have this year. And Butler kind of got rated with the transfers and things. So it's just, and what Lavelle, I'm not sure that they were left in a great spot when Thad took over. So I, I just, uh, so this is a skip for me, but home team, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the best way to play it is just take the home team and just say, in with two teams that, probably just aren't again again they're not terrible teams i don't want to i don't want to say the wrong thing here but they're just not up to par with the top third or so of the big east uh maybe top half ish is about where they you know if things go well they can eke into the top half but um they're just not there with those top teams in the big east how good it is and they're gonna have a lot of losses they're gonna have a lot of games where they look rough against those teams uh so in that case out of pick them give me butler enough it's butler minus two <laughs> you know i wouldn't even know what to say at that point but i pick them Give me Butler your model says they win 54% of the time uh, just because of the game location. And the last thing I'll say on this, you talked about Butler's defense may be the best unit on the court. Um, you know, I think some of the metrics would indicate still it might be Villanova's offense. I'm just not sure how much of that's hanging on to the priors that we thought coming into the season, but that'll be the difference maker. If Villanova's offense can shoot and get going and can score off a of Butler, then that's where they have a chance. But uh, I just, I haven't really seen it yet from their, them offensively. And if that's the case and Butler's defense should be able to have their way with them. And that would be enough at home to get them to victory again, in a game that, like I said, just feels a little sad based off of what we've seen from these teams uh, in the past. Which takes us to 8 p.m. Central BCU at Dayton. Both these teams are 12 and 5, but uh, I think most of us looking into it would say that Dayton is the much better team uh, at 12 and 5. They are seven and a half point favorites. Sideline says 8.3. Seven and a half is just a bridge too far from me. Not playing at seven and a half. You could probably talk me into it at seven. The model wants six, and that's kind of where six or seven, I think is where it makes a little more sense. I'd just be a little bit of afraid of a backdoor at a number like seven and a half. But Dayton's the better team, and they should win this game. They should control this pace. That's why my favorite play on this one is the under 128 and a half. Um, they've got the, of all the units on the court, the, the best thing that, that's happening here is Dayton's defense. That should keep the pace slower. They want to play at about a snail's pace. VCU wants to speed it up, but when you talk about teams speeding up pace, slowing down pace, you have to ask yourself, Kermit talked about earlier with Nebraska-Purdue, they want to do something. Can they do it, right? And VCU, I think we know, wants to. There's no, you know, the Nebraska-Purdue was a question of would anybody want to, and the answer is probably no. Could they? Also probably no. This one, we know VCU wants to, but when you look at VCU's offense versus Dayton's defense, I don't think they're going to really be able to speed Dayton up because of how good Dayton's defense is, they should be able to cut them off at every pass. And that's going to keep this a lower scoring game. Sideline thinks 128 points, uh, but 128 and a half. I still think under's the way to go just because I think Dayton being able to put their stamp on, I think the model's kind of incorporating VCU's pace a little bit into this. And I just don't see the game playing out that way. So I like the under again, Dayton at seven. I'd be a little more excited than six, a model play at seven and a half. Again, that's where I would lean. That's where the model leans. But it's just a little bit too much for me to really like at this point in time. Jake, what's your take on this one? 
Like after struggling at the beginning part of this year, I think Dayton's figured something out. So I, I'm I'm riding Dayton. I know seven and a half is a lot, but they have just this elite defense and play at that Snell's pace. So like I don't see VCU giving them much of an issue. Um, their offense isn't super efficient, but doesn't have to be when the other team can't score. And like and since December 10th, they have yet to allow 60 points while whole, and they've held two team two teams to below 50. And at the same time, their winning margin is 22 on average, around 22 points. I know it's a little skewed. You've got like a 40-something point victory in there. But either way, that's taking that one out. You're probably around 12, 15. Um, VCU is a very solid team. They need the pace to get as many offensive possessions as possible because they're just not very good at offense. Mm -hmm. But I don't see it happening here. uh, Dayton's got – everything to, they need to counter this VCU team. And I think uh, Dayton isn't going to make enough mistakes to let VCU stay in this game. Yeah, and you talk about the, you know VCU's defense is better than their offense. Uh, VCU's defense will have an edge when Dayton has the ball. I mean, they've got a good defense for sure. That's, again, why we like the under. Just that It's just that the difference is that Dayton's facing an uphill battle, facing a good defense, but they're at home. VCU on the road is facing – a mountainous uphill battle. It's not, you know, Dayton's gonna have a Dayton's gonna have a hard time scoring a lot of points, right? They're probably not gonna get into the seventies in this game. VCU's gonna have a really hard time scoring. They're gonna have a hard time getting to sixty in this game. You know, the model says uh, sixty-eight to sixty, but I, I think that's about the top for Dayton. Like I said, I'd be really surprised if they got to seventy, and I don't really see VCU getting to sixty. Uh, I just think I think they can get to sixty if they can up the tempo, and I just don't think they're going to be able to. And otherwise, without the number of possessions, like you said, their offense just isn't that good against Dayton's defense. They're going to have a really hard time scoring. This could be one of those weird, ugly games. We, we, I've done this every once in a while. You never really know. It's hard to predict them, but every once in a while, we see those games that are like. 54 to 43 or something like this could be that game. And I'd just be like, yeah, I mean, that kind of, that's what Dayton wants to do here at home. They might do it, you know, accidentally. So I think under, even though it's a low number, makes a lot of sense there. One other 8 p.m. Central game before we get to the late one, Michigan State at Illinois. We're going to go over 137 in this one, over 136 and a half, I believe. I don't know why I didn't copy in that right. Uh, we're going over 136 and a half. The model says 138. Um, you've got the home team, Illinois, really wants to push the pace, really wants to push the tempo. Um, you've got a Michigan State team who's probably better offensively than defensively. Um, They don't play quite as fast, but uh, Illinois being the better team at home seems more likely to be able to drag Michigan State up into that game. You know, if Michigan State doesn't pick up the pace a little bit, they're going to have a hard time keeping up with Illinois. And so I think that's why we can get just to about an average number of points here. It's not that I expect a barn burner, but I do expect more of an average number of points, which is the 138 to 140 range. So I think 136 and a half is too low. So we're going to go over there. With regards to the side, Illinois was a four and a half point favorite um, when I pulled numbers and eventually now it's up to five and a half. The model wants three and a half, says 5.6 is the right number. When the model says 5.6 and it's actually five and a half, I feel like it's a stay away. You know, Illinois is the home and better team, but there's a lot of ways Illinois wins this by three, four, five, something like that. Maybe they run away with it, but the number's just getting too big to really like. So instead of going to focus on the over here, Jake, what do you think? Yeah, like this is probably the best game of the night. You got two really good teams going at it. The over is the right play. That line is not something you want to mess with from a side standpoint, but uh, you've got. Champagne is just a very, very tough place to play. Mm-hmm. 
and with the style that Illinois plays and the pace they want to, that place can really get rocking when some threes go, and it just makes it really tough. Um, I think this game is going to get a little bit faster than Michigan State will like, but because I think Illinois seems to, like in the here recently, seem to figure out the rotation they want, and that surprisingly leaves out Sky Clark a lot. It's more Jaden Epps and Sky Clark, and Clark was supposed to be the big time recruit. Uh, but some key things to kind of keep your eye on if for like if you want to play it live or something is the turnover battle, right? Michigan State doesn't turn the ball over, but they do not force turnovers. Illinois is complete opposite. They play a little sloppy, but they force a lot of turnovers. So who ends up winning that would be big. The offensive glass will be huge for Illinois. Uh, and so that that's something to really keep an eye on. Uh, and they really rely on getting a lot of extra shots where those forced turnovers and offensive glass happens. So Michigan State's really got to do a good job to stay in this game, keep it close. And I think they will because that's something Izzo's always done well. They've always rebounded very well um, in the foul situation. That's going to be wild to watch because at home, some things to go missing randomly with the refs. And so Illinois tends to foul a lot. Maybe not all of them get called here, but if it if it becomes a game that's called tight, Michigan State is an incredible free throw shooting team. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that could that could really hurt Illinois. Um, Helps us with the over. A lot of free points with clock stop. Clock stop, yeah. We, we want we want clock stop people shooting. Just call a bunch of technicals. Just I always tell when it got over, I always tell the refs, look, we are here to see you blow yeah. your whistle, do your thing, and let people get free points, right? You, you are the star of the show. You Let's are the star. Yeah. What's that? What's the meme? Like go in there and make this about you, right? That's what we tell the refs when we got an over, right? We want all the clock stop shooting free throws, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think this game ends up like a battle in the 70s. So I think we're gonna be clear the 130, any any 130 number. And it's you bring up the turnovers, an interesting point. The the turnover battle gonna affect obviously who wins and the total because if you have Michigan State turning the ball over 20 seconds into the shot clock, that's gonna lead to a lot of scoring droughts and it's gonna make it harder to get to the over. So we're kind of with the over, we're kind of trusting uh, a Michigan State team to not turn the ball over, which like you said, they do a really good job of, and or we're trusting that if the turnover is gonna happen, it's gonna happen early in the shot clock. Um, but we're also trusting that they aren't gonna force those turnovers because if Illinois turned the ball over 20 seconds in the shot clock, that's gonna hurt too. So we're really kind of focusing hoping that you know Izzo um obviously a fantastic coach right you, you know you don't stick around and do what he's done uh, I'm not saying gonna say he's the best coach ever right but I mean I think we all agree he's a very good coach right and so very good coach and we're trusting him to kind of say on the road against a really good team you know don't turn the ball over and don't get too greedy you know going for turnovers um because if you're getting greedy going for turnovers you're gonna give up good looks and so um that keeping the turnovers down should help us get at least shots off instead of possessions without shots. And that should help us to be over as well. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's hard to go over when uh, your possessions don't end in shots, right? Mm-hmm. That's just not, not the way you want it to do. So that's how we think the over here makes sense. And we get closer to 140 into the 140s, potentially uh, 136 and a half, not uh, high enough uh, to the late game. One of the better, maybe the best game on the docket here, Utah state and Nevada. Um, if you're a night owl, live out West um, Utah state, 14 and three, Nevada, 14 and four total. In this one's 143 and a half. Get the pick out of the way real quick. We're going to go over. The model says 146.2. You've got Utah State shoots the lights out of the ball. Both offenses will have an advantage over the defenses here. Nevada plays at a pretty average pace. They don't really want to slow it down. They don't really want to speed it up, but they don't really want to slow it down either. And Utah State plays pretty fast. So there's a lot of elements here that should get us closer to 150 than 140. So we're going to go over. 
With regards to the side, I think this is interesting. The model says Nevada minus two. It's two and a half right now. But when I look at the algorithm, the algorithm is split by rounding error as what to do at two and a half. It says that it's just really close on how to play this one. It should be a fantastic contest. And both these teams have been really good to betters backing them. Uh, Utah State 13 and five against the number. Nevada 12 and four against the number. Of course, those don't quite add up to the number of games they play. They played a couple, you know, Division II schools. But I mean, both teams just blind backing them this year has been profitable. Um, you know, at two and a half, one of them will win, one of them will lose, right? So someone's going to let their backers down, but it should be a great contest with two teams that, um, you know, maybe Utah State's the slightly better team going on the road here. It's why Nevada's a little bit less than the three-point favorite. Should be a great game. Going to focus on the over. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, this is the game I'm most interested in tonight. These are two teams that have a pretty good chance to make the tournament. Nothing solid right now because that Mountain West so it was a pretty good, pretty good division this year. Not not the teams I thought were going to be at the top, but yeah, still got, still got some pretty good talent out there. Um, they've got, you got, and you got Boise State after last night, who yeah. really seeming you know you got San Diego State of course at the top, and you got Boise State who might be up there now the way they're looking. And now you've got uh, you know those two kind of up there, and then you've got these other teams kind of fighting behind them. Is how many bids can this conference get? And uh, it kind of is, I think it's going to depend on who beats on who beats up on who. Right? Do so they all cannibalize each other, or can a can a third and fourth team really separate themselves uh from the rest of the pack you know yeah i mean that's true i mean and these teams have near opposite philosophies on what they want to do but end up with the same efficiency metrics which is fun uh i mean utah state very three dependent they shoot they share the ball at an elite level they shoot the lights out of it they're the best three-point shooting team in the nation but somehow nevada actually shoots a higher percentage of threes of their Hmm. total shots which is wild because they don't make near as many. They don't make as many. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, but so I think that goes really well for the over. A lot of three point shots, long rebounds, easy buckets if they're not going in. Uh, but I, I'm going to be riding with Nevada. I think at home they've got two really good guards. Uh, Blackshear and Lucas are just very very good. They've got with a short number. They've got five guys hitting over eighty percent of their free throws. Two of those are Blackshear and Lucas, who's going to have the ball most of the time towards the end of the game because I think this game will be. Very, very tight the entire time. Um, it's going to be nearly mistake-free, which is going to be wild because these are two of your best teams at not turning over, and neither one of them force a lot of turnovers. So it's just going to be a lot of, let's see what you do on offense. Um, but both have pretty good defenses, but you're right. The offenses are going to have an edge with whoever has the ball. I'm just banking on the home team here. Yeah, and the model says that Nevada wins this about 55% of the time. So if this number comes down, uh, Nevada becomes a really enticing option for sure. At two and a half, I feel like it's a little bit tougher. At least two, uh, we'll talk about right one is not uh, anything that happens a lot. So two, you might push. On a Saturday, on a Wednesday, Thursday, maybe you got that capital tied up elsewhere, that push having that push matters, right? Because you, yeah. you'd rather invest somewhere else. You you want to ensure wins more than pushes. But on a Friday, pushing doesn't really matter because there's not a lot of games out there. So it's not like your capital spread around. So at least if it gets down to two, I feel like Nevada is a, a, a decent choice uh, personally. Uh, two and a half being a little high. But yeah, the over, I think it just makes too much sense. And I think you brought up a great point there with the three-point shots, right? With When you have one team that shoots the three a lot, like in Iowa, say, for instance, and you're playing the over, you're kind of dependent if the other team isn't shooting threes on Iowa hitting their threes. And, and they do a lot, right? In Utah State, like you said, they do a lot. When you have both teams that want to shoot a lot of threes, 
it's not that both teams can't just go cold, but like at least with both teams doing it, you're more likely that one of them's at least making some threes, getting hot. They're switching off who's hot, that sort of thing, and that's going to drive those that point total up. So we, you kind of like your odds a little better when mm-hmm. it's not just like, oh, if one team goes cold from three, we're we're hoes. It's like, well, if one team goes cold from three, the other team might get hot from three. We got to we got a way to get some yeah. extra points there. Yeah, it's uh, the over is a very smart player. Yep. So 143 and a half is the number that we're locking in here as the over. Those are all the games we've got. No overtime game for you today. Those were the biggest games and nothing else that really jumps out that we want to recommend. Recommend again, a little bit of a lighter slate. So otherwise, Jake, any parting words uh, on your triumphant return? No, I'm just happy to be back and able to watch basketball and not like two in the morning anymore. So but say, I know you, you were in the discord a couple of times during with some of the bowl games we were chatting with you were like, and people were like, what time is it over there? Like, what's Jake doing? Like, it's, it's like 3 a.m. right now. Like what's yeah. happening? I don't know. Couldn't sleep. Jet time zones are weird. Times it's, it's like uh, Jason says in the good place, right? You know, it's like, he's in a different clock land, you know, so yeah. it's, it can really throw you off a little bit. All right. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode of Picks with the professor. Don't forget to subscribe. So you can ensure all the sports betting content we've brought on this channel. It's dropped right into your feed. We'll be back again tomorrow with more college basketball betting content. And until then, as always, best of luck. And remember you can eat your betting money, but please don't bet you're eating money. <laughs>